You don't even like sports. Welcome to You Don't Even Like Sports, a podcast about sports for people who don't like sports. With your hosts, Adam Todd Brown and Jeff May. Hey, Jeff. Hey, yeah, it's me, Jeff. Jeff, this is Adam from Hi. from the internet and from, you know, life in general. Jeff, I need to tell you something. I don't think you're going to like it. It's that you don't even like sports. That's not true. That's I, not true. I did like you saying that because it proves how wrong you are. Oh, oh, well, no. it's actually you who doesn't even like sports, yeah. No, that's not, that's not the thing. You don't even like sports. Hey, everybody, welcome to You Don't Even Like Sports. Hey, welcome to the show. I am Adam Todd Brown. And I am Adam Todd Brown, and I don't nope. like sports. Jeff, and I'm Jeff May. There you go. There's That's you. You're I'm not Jeff me. May. I'm the I'm, one I'm who's to... me. I'm the one who likes sports. You hate sports. Mm, I'm going to uh, agree to disagree at this point. I'm very excited. My Boston Celtics seem like they're on the verge of winning an NBA this, championship. None of this is the truth. Grew up rooting for the Celtics. Grew up in Worcester. No. No, no, Worcester. all of that is about me. You're reading my story. Ex-teacher, retired, moved ah, to L.A. Stop. Fucking committed a series of very, very Heinous. violent crimes. Heinous crimes. Hate yeah, that crimes, part's true. sex crimes. No, 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 regular crimes. What? Oh, regular, wait, no. Straight, oh, yeah, we should just talk about sports, but, even though, but you don't like sports. Speaking of crimes. Speaking of crimes, we are back to talk about john daly yeah. all my exes are casting hexes <laughs> with this one this is a different sort of john daly episode because this one is coming from the perspective of one of them wives of his mainly sherry miller aka sherry daly a bruiser this she, one she is a heavyweight She's the Muhammad Ali of, of his wives. Yeah, this is John Daly fighting in his weight class for sure. Yeah, this is yeah, this this is very Ali Frazier set up here. It's a it's a seesaw series with these two. Before we dive into it, I had something here in the notes that I want to hear your thoughts on. After reading this book, this is starting to feel like the unreliable narrator Olympics a little bit, in that I don't know who to believe. And kind of no matter who I believe, they both kind of seem like assholes. It's the original Depp Heard trial here, folks. It's it's really one of those things where it's just like, I think we can assume that these are both trash. Yeah. There's definitely some aggressive moves on John Daly's part. I don't know if they're completely equal in terms of who was the worst in this relationship. But also, you got to take into account that this is her side of the story but unlike amber heard and johnny depp john daly never sued her for defamation so no, rightly so right so that's the thing like how but, untrue is all this because but we he know is in the pirates of the caribbean franchise john daly yes yeah johnny daly is in that john <laughs> johnny deppley and we do know john daly is not averse to suing someone for defamation he sued a reporter for implying that he was an alcoholic, which I don't, think, I don't think he won that one. Uh, he sued a stripper for posting pictures of him online, an incident that will come up again in this episode. So if the things in this book were untrue, I feel like there would have been a lawsuit over it. Yeah, because it's a book. 
It's not it's, just like an article. This is a book. And it is full of some shocking claims about John Daly. Um, I'm going to disagree. Well, I don't think they're shocking, Adam. I don't think anything. You could tell me that John Daly jumped the Grand Canyon on a dirt bike and then landed and punched out the Philly fanatic. And I'd be like, that absolutely happened. Yeah, I, I think I mean, shocking in that just the the acts themselves, like we're John Daly historians by this point. We know what to expect from this guy. But if you walked up to someone on the street and handed them this book and said everything in it's true, what is your opinion of this guy? They would be flabbergasted by the things that are said about him in this book. Yeah, but then if you went up to that person and you gave them a tiny history lesson on who John Daly was and then sure. gave them this information, they'd be like, oh, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's... Yeah. It fits the narrative. Like oh, there's yes. no, like and especially because of what we've been going over and going through, none of this is really a surprise. And it kind of I think probably confirms a lot of suspicions we've had about John Daly and about what kind of person he is because this book is obviously her telling her side of the story and sort of glossing over her role in it. Yeah, she, I but, like how she does, but she's like, now I'm not a saint. And it's right. like, well, we know that, Sherry. But so is John Daly's book. John Daly's book is him rehashing all these incidents, too, but being like, yeah, man, but the sponsor wouldn't let me drink tequila on the course. You got to understand. And this is her adding a little more context to those situations. And oh, boy. I believe a lot of this context. I do believe a lot of what's in this book. I mean, again... You can't really say, well, based on her character and her history, I don't know how much you can trust her. You fucking can't trust John Daly either. But yeah. of the two, man, a lot of the stuff in this book would be really hard to make up. If she's making these things up, she is a very talented writer <laughs> the, and liar. The, the Mark Twain of her generation. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty harrowing. And this will probably be a little bit longer episode, but we're leaving a lot of meat on the bones in terms of this book. We got about eight pages of notes for a 211-page book. That's the thing. Very quick read. I knocked it out yeah. in a day. It's called Teed Off My Life as a Player's Wife on the PGA Tour. Parents, if you're listening, summer starting, summer reading is important, as we all know. Right. This is a great vacation book to give to the kids if you're traveling, camping, going to the beach. You know, summer reading. Now's the time to do it. I'm just going to make the obvious connection because it's a book about John Daly. What about the Book It program? Make this yeah. make this your book that gets you a personal pan pizza. And then- They get... still doing that? I think they might be. The cruelty know. of Pizza Hut. God, I loved it so much. That was my favorite thing. It got me to read, man. I mean, they made so much money off that. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, because you're not going to not- if The parents bring there, be like, we'll take one personal pan pizza for the table. Shit. My mom used to drive me to Pizza Hut. We would get that personal pan pizza and drive home. Hell yeah. It was great. So yeah, we're, we're talking about Sherry Daly's book today. She wastes no time setting the tone for this book. The very first sentence in the prologue, I hate golf, which here's the thing. When I say I don't completely trust all the things Sherry Daly says, it's stuff like this, where she says, she used to turn golf on when she was a teen because it would help her sleep when she was grounded. It's like golf isn't on TV that much. That maybe happened once. You're just trying yeah. to make John Daly mad. There's a little color. Yeah. 
But that's also very minor compared to the things yeah. I don't believe John Daly when he says. Yeah. John Daly also hates golf. <laughs> he sure Clearly. Does. Yeah, it's just a means to an end for him. And that yeah, end it is, is a, going to Hooters. It is. I was going to say it's literally access to unlimited uh, Hooters meals. <laughs> it sure is. And now he's carrying on the tradition with Lil John, his son with Sherry. She's got to be so thrilled that Little John signed with Hooters. I mean, to be fair, she's made. She's, you know, she's probably set for life. Who? Sherry Daly? Yeah. With her kid now doing this, she's probably going to be taken care of. Yeah. I mean, is he good? I don't know how good how good is he at golf. He's good yeah. enough to get a Hooters sponsorship, but I feel like yeah. this podcast is good enough to get a Hooters sponsorship, too, if we really put our minds yeah, to it. Not anymore. Not with their prices. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. We're not fancy enough for them. Yeah, yeah. I don't have $80 for 12 shrimp. <laughs> I love that shrimp, though. It's so good. And let me tell you, it, if you go to Hooters, definitely grill them on the nine one uh, the 911 sauce. Yeah, find out why that went away. Find out if it's because of the Unpops network. Bush did it. <laughs> right. But the band, not the president. So Yeah, she, they, they replaced it with a glycerine flavor. <laughs> she says she married John Daly and tried her best to be a good golf wife. Dis I disagree. <laughs> I already disagree with that one, though. Another unreliable thing to say. Yeah, yeah. And she, she proves that by way of this quote. I decided I should try to make the best of it, even if it meant dressing all preppy and acting like a golf wife. I actually went out and bought a bunch of these boring collared shirts. That should tell you how committed I was to my marriage. I hate collared shirts almost as much as I hate golf. I believe this a thousand percent <laughs> and have is, never related to anything more. That is commitment to a marriage also. I have only bought a polo shirt out of commitment. <laughs> uh, it is my least favorite style of shirt. Yeah, they're the I worst. Hate, I hate them forever. I had to get one for the school that I worked at. It was like our team shirt. And I was like, can we just get t-shirts? And they're like, what barn were you grown up in? I was like, it's right over there. <laughs> yeah, a polo shirt sucks. I don't like They them. do. They suck. They're for nerds. Total nerds. They're for employees. They're uniforms. They're for employees or or, or kids named uh, like fucking Chet at the, <laughs> at the golf club. You know, it's it sucks. Polos yeah. suck. And this, again, is all prologue. By the way, she spends the rest of this opening section just relentlessly shit-talking strippers. Sherry <sighs> Daly does not like an exotic dancer, Jeff. I mean, I think she has a colored response to this. She has a lot of backstory to this. She does. Um, this is I feel like she might not have that. If she wasn't if she hadn't been married to John Daly, she might be the biggest advocate for the rights of sex workers. Could be, but also there's another story that involves the guy she was with before John Daly that also involves strippers. I like that it's strippers that are the problem and yeah. not the men that she's with. Yeah, it's not John Daly. It's the floozies around him. This is a quote. Little did I know that being a golf wife would mean fighting off strippers who think it's okay to be out on the golf course without any clothes on. Like I found myself doing at a charity event in Arkansas about two years into my marriage. And that's her being nice. Here's another quote. Golf sluts may dress in golf outfits, those nerdy visors and argyle socks and sweater vests, and pretend they're interested in the game, but they're just whores in preppy clothes. Harsh, but also that's very hot. That's And that's uh, incredibly, it, it rules. That's, <laughs> like I know that that sentence is cruel, but like... That is a cool, that's a cool <laughs> sentence. 
It's cool on both sides. Yeah, everything about it is fucking cool. I feel like you would say that about the women she's talking about, and they'd be like, yeah, yeah, that, that sounds about right. We look great. Yeah, she's she, fucking socks. She, I can guarantee you that she has gone on a golf course in a white snake tank top <laughs> more than once. And here's the thing. That's not even the craziest quote in this opening section. This is. You ready? John seemed like good marriage material. End quote. <laughs> How? How? I don't believe. In, in what way? The bank account? <laughs> that had to boy, be Because boy, does that thing ebb and flow. <laughs> but also, that's not the whole quote. Here goes the whole quote. John seemed like good marriage material. He was real sweet, and I figured I could run him. Yeah, okay. All right. There you go. <laughs> now. Yeah. Now he's a mark. That's right. what the answer is, is that he's a fucking mark. It's like, did she own stock in Bally's? Is that why? <laughs> she loves Bally's almost as much as he does. Who doesn't love Bally's? I don't know that I've ever been to Bally's in particular, but... We need to go. All right. I we like do, Vegas. We need to do a live pod from Bally's. Oh, I wonder if they'd let us. John Daly's Graceland. We're going to figure that out. It'll be Disgraceland. <laughs> She does say the thing John Daly says all throughout this book without realizing that he's saying it, which is that he's one person when he meets these women, and then he's someone else entirely after like a year or so. Like, John Daly would hint at that in his book, but would always kind of like play it off like, yeah, but I played shitty at this tournament, and then I got sad, and I blew a million so I, dollars at a casino. Yeah. You understand. I, I got sad, so I, I drove my Mercedes off a bridge or whatever. Like, right. You get it. And- she confirms that's the case here. He was not partying when she met him. He was. It's almost as if he would get married, become a drunken nightmare to the point that he would have to get divorced. And then he would like rehab himself up to the point where he seemed like a catch again. And then he, the minute he had a woman living with him again, total fucking nightmare. He, he's like those immortal jellyfish that keep restarting their lives. <laughs> Which, by the way, John Daly is either immortal or he'll he's dead as we're recording. Yeah, it that that could definitely go either yeah, way. That man or, is like a he's like a gas station hot dog man. Or he's on his way to kill one of us. Any of those could be. Possible. That's fine. He'll pass out in a Hooters on the way. <laughs> there's a, we have a lot of defense here, but we don't have a Hooters. See, he's gonna come for me because there's still the one in Long Beach. Yeah. He's like the It Follows monster. If it had to stop at every Hooters it sees on the way. God, how sad is it to think that L.A. doesn't have a Hooters right now? I don't think there's one at all. Long Beach has that one? Long Beach. Yeah, I mean, L.A. Mm. County has a Hooters in that Long Beach has one. But beyond that. Yeah, maybe. Sad that seems very un-L.A. Yeah, the Staples Center one is gone. Uh, sorry, R.I.P. Staples Center. I'm sick to my stomach. They call it the Crypt now. Anyway. <laughs> right before the entire crypto world fucking collapsed. <laughs> So yeah, Southgate is the nearest one. Yeah, that sucks. So she says that he told her, quote, if you ever see me drinking whiskey, leave. It's going to be an important quote. I feel like he's not the only one that told her that. <laughs> Probably, yeah. She says, of course, by the time he picked up the whiskey again, after his mother died in 2002, we'd been married more than a year and I wasn't about to just up and leave him. And that really does sound like the John Daly marriage playbook. He's cool when you meet him, and then he kills you get his mom. Comfortable with him, and someone's going to die, and he's going to throw something through the window of a bus. But the strippers don't get off that easy in this first section. She she gets back to them before we get out of the prologue. It's some stripper bashing, literally. Up first, 
we get her backstory about why she is so opposed to strippers. And it's because the kid that she had before her kid with John Daly, who is affectionately referred to as Lil John throughout this book. Uh, what? Skeet, 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 skeet. The, uh, Correct. The guy she had the kid with before, Austin, is that kid's name. At one point, shortly after Austin was born, the father of that kid got a check for $10,000 for who knows what, she doesn't say. And he decided to take that check and go to a strip club and celebrate with some of his friends. And she didn't like that because she was home with their newborn. So she does the responsible mother thing and tosses that newborn in back of a car and follows this limousine to the strip club. And she gets there and realizes, well, I can't really go in and confront him because newborn in the car. So she sits there kind of mulling over what to do. And at one point, the baby shits its diaper. And then she realizes what she must do, which Her is calling take that shit-filled diaper off and hurl it at the front door of the strip club, which is Sh exactly what she did. Shout out to those bouncers yeah, for having to deal with that. That was a rough night for them. They're like, oh. <laughs> that's going to happen. If you're if you're a bouncer at, at a strip club, that's going to happen probably at least twice a week, huh? Probably, or something similar. Yeah. Oof. And that sets up the story of what happened at a charity event John Daly was playing in Arkansas shortly after they were married. It was a Make-A-Wish Foundation benefit. He wished for peanut M&Ms and Hooters <laughs> gift certificates. <laughs> and according to Sherry Daly, not only were there strippers there, but she says they were completely stark naked on the course. Nope. I don't buy that. That, nope. that, especially at a Make-A-Wish Foundation benefit, would be a literal crime. Maybe like, that's the wish. <laughs> could be. Be some kid wanted to see some dope titties before he goes, huh? John Daly's the one who made the wish. He's like, "Come on, no. man, you know I'm gonna die soon." Yeah, you know I'm on my way out, man. Come on, <laughs> let me get them titties in my face. Get some titties on this course, man. Come on, man, get some peanut M and M's going. Give me some Diet Coke. I'll be drinking Diet Coke off them titties. Wow, <laughs> doing Coke off of tits is a very different situation if it's John Daly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, there's two tits, so there's one for Diet Coke and one for regular Coke. Yeah. Ain. Bottle bottle on one, rail on the other. <laughs> yep. So she says that at this charity event, she's eight months pregnant, and she's being driven to the bathroom by an associate of John's on a golf cart. And at one point, she starts hooting and hollering about these strippers near him. And here's a quote from her. What's wrong? The redneck said, <laughs> like he needed to ask. I could tell he knew exactly why I was mad. So he started driving real slow, which made me even more heated. Well, that big stupid redneck couldn't stall forever, no matter how much he wanted to kiss John's ass. I cannot was, overemphasize was, how much she calls John Daly's friends and family rednecks in this book. It is yep. amazing. It's like, ma'am, you threw a shit-filled diaper <laughs> at the door of a strip club. You are... You are casting stones in a very glass house. That redneck, by the way, Darius Rucker. <laughs> God, he's in this a lot. Yes. Darius Rucker is playing huge roles that you're not expecting. In this, in the L.A. comedy scene, he's everywhere. Yikes. Anyway. Speaking of cocaine. <laughs> so she says she finally makes her way over to John Daly and chases these women away. But one of them turned around and smirked at her as they were walking away. And uh, it, supposedly 
Allegedly. Because, like, that, there's a 50-50 chance that that's a true story or not. Yeah, exactly. I do like that she chased him away because I'm picturing her with, like, a broom. Like, it's like a, like a squirrel that got in the house. Oh, I don't know if I have it in here, but there is a quote when she's chasing a woman away at one point where she literally says, Now, scat, get on! Get on! Yeah. <laughs> Here's a quote about that woman smirking at her, and it is a fantastic quote. <laughs> it's a doozy of a sentence. It is a quote that could come from no one but the wife of John Daly. Now, this was actually originally FDR. <laughs> That's right. This yeah. is one of his pearls of wisdom. Now, you do not smirk at a big fat woman in a black spandex Donna Karen jumper that's about to pop and whose baby, by the way, was so big that my guts had popped out and I had a hernia. I'm not a happy fat person. I'm not happy pregnant. People can say they love it all they want. I don't. This was not the day to mess with me. And I swear when I'm pregnant, I can box like a kangaroo. I like that she chose a kangaroo instead of, like, a boxer. Kangaroos are nature's boxers. Yeah, and they got that tummy pouch, so. Yeah, yeah. No, I take it back. She's right. What what a great woman. She's like, I will absolutely risk the life of my fetus <laughs> to drill a stripper. And here's the thing. She does. That story does indeed end with Sherry Daly getting in a fist fight with two strippers on a golf course at a Make-A-Wish Foundation benefit while eight months pregnant. But also, John Daly throws a glass bottle at her pregnant belly during this altercation. Not a lot of people. Lil John has uh, a lot to get through. Yeah. Maybe that's why he's got the Hooters sponsorship now. Here's another quote. I don't think I punched John, but I've been told I punched nearly everyone else who was standing there giving those girls money. I punched our banker out, and he told my mom later that he had never been hit so hard in his life. I'm not sorry either. Give him money to naked strippers that they could have been given to sick kids. Okay. I don't, I don't, I don't think that's, it feels like a little bit of an overreaction. Yeah. That's, I always love when people are like, this could have gone to sick kids. It's like, well, literally every dime in my bank account could theoretically have gone to sick kids. Yeah. Yeah. Money. All of us spend all the time could be going to sick kids. The money that you and I are gambling at Bally's and handing out to strippers when we play golf. Yeah. Obviously. Obviously. (laughs) When she brings up people asking why she stayed with John Daly, because the deeper you get into this book, that does become a very valid question. She says they did have some happy times, but also she says she thought being married to John Daly was karma for having slept with a whole bunch of married men when she was younger. Oh, so the stripper was you. Ah, right. All along. Here's a quote. If a married guy said his wife was a bitch, I figured she probably was, and we'd go off and party. And that was fine with me. I screwed around with other women's husbands. I'm not proud of it, but I did. None of us are proud of it. (laughs) But we did it anyway. One really interesting tidbit from the end of the prologue here is that uh, she says the only reason she wrote this book is because John Daly lied about her trying to stab him. And that if he had at any point gone public and said he lied about that, that she would not have written this book. <laughs> Stay tuned for Sherry Daly's side of that story. It is intense. So her version of events when they meet isn't too much different from his. I don't think he mentioned that they had sex the first night they met, but she does. Well, he's modest. True. Yeah. Well, like she, he's, he's she a also, man of modesty. Yeah. She also says she doesn't like to talk about what happens in the bedroom. And it's like, thank you. I think we have all the detail we need. 
they were married 53 days later. Again, got married at a wedding chapel at Bally's Hotel and Casino in Vegas. She says there was lots of drinking. She would get up in the morning and start drinking mimosas and go shopping. John would get up and go gambling at the casino. They had a reception. Wait, 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 wait. Can you clarify that? John Daly would gamble at a casino? Yeah, it's surprising, that's for sure. Oh, I, I don't believe this part of the story. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a shocking allegation, one of the most shocking in this book. She says they had a reception shortly thereafter at the Horseshoe Casino. Here's a quote. There were about a thousand guests, a big buffet and an open bar, and Hootie and the Blowfish played. Darius has drove his little golf cart right up there. Yeah, if someone approached me and said, Adam, without looking it up, describe John Daly's wedding reception to Sherry Daly. That's probably how I would describe it. About a thousand guests, big buffet, mostly McDonald's cheeseburgers, Hootie and the Blowfish on stage. You might have picked a different band until you remember that 2002 was a big Hootie lull. Right. And also, they're like a gettable band in 2002. Also, that's the year his CD came out. And they are on that CD. So that's right. Yeah. Makes sense. <clears throat> oh, it, so that's that, like he did a favor for them. So now they're doing a favor for him. Right. She also adds this about Hootie and the Blowfish. Looking back, they also played at Tiger and Elon's special day. And Elon and I could easily trade notes and sex therapist numbers now. So even though I love each and every one of them as people, maybe Hootie and the Blowfish are bad luck as a wedding band. You know what? I'd still let them play. You know what, everybody? Take note, don't get Hootie in the Blowfish. I know all of you are itching to pay the, I'm guessing, $60,000 or so, probably more than that. It's probably best that you don't invest too much of your money in getting Hootie and the Blowfish to play at your wedding. I think that's valid. You could just play their various CDs. Yeah, get a DJ. Yeah, yeah. Get your local DJ. You know, the guy with the goatee wearing the red vest. I, I was a wedding DJ for about a month, and it was one of the worst jobs I've ever had. I hated it so much. Yeah, because it was all, barely any hootie. It was it was just bad. I don't want to go to motherfuckers' weddings for a living. So, yeah, on like Saturday nights. Yeah. Like that's it, your Saturday night. It's not your Saturday night. It's your Saturday because they would demand that you get there at like noon to set shit up. And that would take hours. And then the wedding would start at like five or six. So it would be your whole day and you'd make like 150 <laughs> bucks. You're like, you know, I only have like a CD player to set up, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, there was a... It's a whole fucking thing. I don't want to relive it. So there's a really fun story around this point in the book where she talks about accompanying John to an event and accidentally taking an Ambien when she meant to take a diet pill. And this is in the morning, so she gets all disoriented. And they figure out what happened, and she decides the best course of action is to take that diet pill now as kind of a, you know, upper after she's taken this Ambien, which is a downer. Easy, Denzel. Exactly. And this makes her all loopy. And she wanders out onto the golf course where John is playing and says at one point she almost gets hit in the head while he's teeing off because she wandered too close to him and then just kind of loses her way and ends up standing across this lake on the wrong side of a lake where everyone else is is gathered on the, the opposite side. And the reason I bring this story up, she cites this as one of the happy times between her and John Daly. I'm, I'm not going to lie. That's that's a wacky story. That's hijinks, Adam. It's definitely hijinks, but it's also kind of sad that that's the best she can come up with. Yeah. When okay, she's it's like, a, it's actually, see, things weren't always bad. It's low jinx. 
Yeah. One time I got too high for John to be shitty to me. Yeah. One time I got so high that I almost got it eaten up by a gator. <laughs> got eaten up by a lake gator. And this is before she launches into a chapter called John, Johnny, and JD. And this chapter is about the three personalities of John Daly. John is the guy you meet before you marry him. He's cool. He's very sweet. He's not getting hammered all the time. Johnny is the guy you meet after John Daly has fucked up. And he's basically a baby. He is in Cobra Kai. (laughs) Yeah, sweep the leg. Sweep the leg, Johnny. And then there's JD, who she describes as possessed by a demon. And usually when he's drinking whiskey. And that demon is from Tennessee. And... Very promising start to this chapter. Uh, it starts with John Daly buying a tour bus that he plans to at least partially drive himself while on the road. John, no. Yeah. Here's, here's a quote about that. Things were relatively nice and calm back then, but I still needed to take Valium to avoid having a nervous breakdown while John was driving. Even when he wasn't driving drunk, which he did all the time in later years, he was a crazy man behind the wheel. I can't tell you how many times I'd find him with the speedometer needle bottom out which meant he was going well over 100 miles an hour. In a, in and a bus? Quote, let me reassure everyone, yes, there were kids on this bus. That, whew, that's, mo- that's movie shit right there. So yeah, that seems like uh, bad family rearing circumstances, but that's the dailies. They were raising these kids on the road, driving 100 miles an hour. But there is an absolutely adorable story in this section that starts with John Daly, Bill Clinton, and Sherry Daly all boarding a private plane together. John Daly being stuck sitting in back, Sherry Daly sitting up front with Bill Clinton, and somehow it does not end with sex. It ends with Bill Clinton successfully selling Sherry Daly on the merits of stem cell research. I got a stem to sell you right now. (laughs) She says he was never inappropriate with her at all. I feel like this is... Kind of her digging at John Daly. Because if you remember from the book, he implies that he isn't a big Clinton fan. And he's a Trump supporter now. Yeah, this would have been hard for Bill because Sherry seems like his type. Oh, 100%. I wish I had more detail. The book doesn't go into it that much. But how did John Daly get stuck sitting in the back of the plane and have his wife up front i mean i get that it's the president and the president can do that but also you're kind of hanging out wouldn't you at least be like dude what are you what are you doing you trying yeah, what, you trying what, to take what, my what, wife what are you doing what are you doing here but also that's like the last semi-normal moment in this book uh, yeah no there's a, i don't know if we uh because the book was written so long ago but didn't she like go also go to jail for her kid being truant and it violated her parole or something yes she we're gonna do Classic. one more episode after this that talks about John Daly and Sherry Daly since they wrote their books. And yeah, yeah, Sherry Daly, she has a checkered history outside of her relationship with John Daly. She has a propensity for driving off with that kid of hers when she doesn't have custody. I don't know. There's one crime she's charged with that is fucking major. Wild. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that. But yeah, she, I mean, she obviously comes off as the sympathetic character in this book, but just a little, like, yeah, there's more John Daly energy to that. Yeah. There's moments where you're obviously going to be on her side, especially one at the end that we'll get to, but also this point where this is the point in the marriage where John Daly, possibly because of the Bill Clinton thing, just starts fucking off to casinos for days at a time. 
without telling anyone where he is, where he's going. They call that the Clinton effect. <laughs> yeah. And then the paint incident happens. Oh, boy, the paint incident. This is wild. According to her version of events, the two of them had purchased a house shortly before leaving for a tournament in Europe. Like you do. Yeah, of course. You buy a house, and then you fuck off to another country for a while. And as they were leaving, decorators were showing up to start decorating this house while they were gone. So they come back from this trip, and when they get to the house, John Daly's mom is with them, and a bunch of neighbors are with them, because Sherry Daly wants to show everyone around the house and all like talk about their plans for decorating it and they get to a room that was supposed to be painted quote an earthy brown end quote but was instead painted a light green john daly sees this and responds this is what i think about this color and pulls out his dick and pisses all over that wall this is when you start beating his ass yeah this is the quote. This is it. This is the big moment where you're like, get me a fucking sack of doorknobs because we got to teach this guy the fucking truth. Quote from Sherry Daly. This was the exact moment when I officially knew that I was in for it. Yeah. End quote. Yeah. She should have stabbed him there. He ends up not just pissing on this wall, but because people didn't like it, he gets mad and goes and destroys all the furniture that these decorators had brought. If I was at a friend's house... And this, this exact scenario was happening. I would drag that friend into a room and beat him savagely. That's the thing. Like, you're kind of doing him a favor in that situation. Kind of, yeah. You got to learn a bit of a lesson and sometimes violence. To, like, you need to choke this motherfucker out. And when he wakes up, you beat him. Fucking and, have him strapped up like and taken. And with someone like this who's doing it around his wife, like the That's, alternative is you just let him spiral and he ends up beating her. So yeah, we're, you fucking knock John Daly out in this situation. We need some Bears players to come here and rough him up. <laughs> yeah, where the fuck was Dan Hampton when everyone needed on, him? Dan? He's like, I'm not hanging around with that guy anymore. Yeah, fucking Dan, crazy. Dan Hampton was like, this is abusive. I got to get out of here. He's like, I already choked him once and he doesn't even remember it. So there's another running theme in this book. And that is Sherry Daly being at least sort of honest about how much of a loose cannon she is also. Here's a quote. Now, like I said from the start, if I'm going to tell on John, I've got to tell on myself too. I'm not completely innocent. I like to drink, and sometimes I can get a little wild. <laughs> it's just like that. I drink, so what? Me too. We gonna get high tonight. This leads to a story about them arguing on the tour bus in the kitchen area, and he gets a little too close in her personal space. And while they're arguing, it seems like he like inadvertently spits on her face a little bit, to which she responds by pushing him backwards over a beer cooler that he was standing in front of and punching him in the face twice. She tabletopped him and beat his ass. <laughs> she did. And that is awesome. She said she didn't remember if she punched John Daly or not. So Adam, who do you call for this information? Who do you need to confirm? Well, what you do in that situation, same thing anyone should do, you call Hootie and the Blowfish, specifically Hootie, Darius Rucker. And she asked, you know, when me and John got into it on the bus, as if he's going to forget. What? Did that <laughs> what were you talking about? Oh, I didn't even, I was right. I was songs. in my own world. I was, yeah. <laughs> was charting Hootie album sales. Uh, did I, um, did I punch him? You did, he said. 
after you pushed him, you tagged him two times on the way down. That's so much better. That's like Ali Foreman <laughs> at the end. Yeah, that's impressive. Like that's that is quick response. That's prize fighter moves right there. <laughs> but oh then, man, I love that. I love that Darius Rucker just cameos throughout this whole thing. And like he's on the poster of this movie <laughs> for sure. He could play himself. He looks like he did in the fucking yeah. He's early not two thousands. And uh, yeah, she says now Darius wouldn't lie. So I must have <laughs> hit John, even if I can't remember it. I only want to beat up you. <laughs> but a few pages later, she does cite another example of how sweet John Daly could be. And man, it is just quintessential John Daly. Here's the quote. John and I actually did all sorts of little sweet things for each other in the beginning. He knew that I loved those mini Reese's peanut butter cups. And he'd always buy them for me and line them up on my pillow. So they spelled, I love you. I wonder what he did with the other 25 in that <laughs> ate bag. them all. He <laughs> ate them all. Ate him on the way to the pillow. And uh, that is just a few short paragraphs before a harrowing incident where, once again, at a charity golf event, this one being held at his actual house to benefit the Boys and Girls Club of America. He'll never do anything awful at a charity event. So this is, he's safe. It seems like he only does awful shit at charity events for kids. No, I feel like those <laughs> just get caught in the wake. <laughs> yeah, probably. At one point, they're at this event, which again is being held at his house, which is on a golf course. She sees him hammered and slow dancing with some woman. And when she goes out to break it up, he just loses his shit. And he jumps on that tour bus that they bought and just starts hurling shit through the windows, shattering all the windows on this bus. A friend tries to get on the bus and calm him down. John Daly throws an ashtray at that guy's head. Oh, I'm getting on that bus then. Yeah. Oh, boy, am I getting on that? I will not be wearing a belt when I get on that bus because it'll be in my hand. Yeah, you better have another ashtray to throw in a yeah. situation like oh, that. Oh, my. Like, this is, as I was going through all of this, I was like, there are so many instances where I would, as a friend, beat the absolute shit out of him. Well, that's kind of the point she makes throughout this whole thing is his friends would just either laugh this stuff off if they weren't straight up encouraging it because he was bringing them so much money. Like they didn't want to question it. And yeah, I, you know what you do? You beat him up and then you roll him. Yeah. That's really, that really is what he needed. He needed his ass beat. If you good, good friend, fuzzy it, Zeller should have knocked John Daly the fuck out. Yeah. It shouldn't have had to be Sherry to do it. But right. she did it. Exactly. She beat his ass like Mike Tyson's punch out. And this outburst on the bus eventually progresses to him trying to burn the bus down with lighter fluid. After that fails, he picks up a four foot tall plant stand and destroys Sherry's car with it. Which, by the way, $140,000 Mercedes S65. It's like, you got to pay taxes on that, dude. Like, By the way, what's the destroys part? Like, dented... Uh, windshield dented, like, he yeah, really... she, she was like destroyed, but it's like, was it like body shop work or was it like yeah. totaled? And from there he heads in the house and starts tearing shit off the walls before he finally trips and falls and passes out. At which point an ambulance shows up, mind you still in front of guests at this charity event. How funny would it have been if there was a dick drawn on his face after that? <laughs> you know, the rules, you know, the rules, you pass out. I'm just being a good friend. You pass out with your shoes on. You know the rules. <laughs> just so many dicks on his face. <laughs> 
And he's eventually hauled away on a stretcher, super duper drunk. Just the one stretcher? (laughs) Right. His team concocts a story about him having had a bad reaction to the diet pill Dexatrim. Boy, it's funny how she just immediately turns to like simping for Big Pharma here. Yeah. Oh, no. They impugn the good name of Dexatrim, which yeah. is no longer available because yeah, it was very it dangerous. Was, wasn't it like an ephedra? Yeah, it was It was ephedra. It was speed. It yes. was speed. <laughs> it sure was. You could make meth with Dexatrim. Oh, you sure could. Man, I used to love those pills, though. Oh, yeah. I used to buy the gas station ones, the gas station ephedrine pills. They were called I- mini thins. Woo! I got I got on I got on right right after they removed the effect the the one that was killing people but they still had the speed in them yeah and I was like oh yeah this is some shit right here yeah many thins they were so potent or maybe I was just taking so many you could smell them when you sweat like it was like there was just amphetamines coming out of your pores it was great god you could just buy the coolest shit it's like buying bath salts yeah yeah So here's a quote about the Dexatrim thing. They came up with this story, and I told the press that John had taken so much Dexatrim that day that it had sped his heart up and made him pass out, or something like that. It all got blamed on Dexatrim, and I felt so bad for them. Here we were, killing this company, when John was the one who had probably drank something like a hundred beers. I felt like like Andre the Giant. (laughs) I felt like saying, yeah. I don't think the makers of Dexatrim would recommend that anyone use their product while consuming 50 or 60 beers. I think anyone might have a few side effects after that. God, the people at Dexatrim were probably like, what? (laughs) (laughs) When this all came out, they were like, huh? I just, I wonder how, how, how much longer did Dexatrim exist after this? It didn't make it much longer. It would have been funny if they were like, clearly this man is not taking Dexatrim. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, he's the target demo. But early, early target. And it's important to note all these things we've mentioned so far happened before John Daly started drinking whiskey again. So it was the whiskey that really signaled the end. All this other stuff. Uh, this was not just so much. This was just Mick Ultra. <laughs> right? Did that even exist back then? Drafts at Hooters. I think yeah. so. I think Michelob Ultra's been around a while, ever since the Atkins diet became a thing. Yeah, he's a Coors Heavy. right the yellow can the can that looks like piss (laughs) so he started drinking whiskey again in 2002 after his mom died was a 9-11 oh right well probably i mean i'm sure he had one on 9-11 he he was at hooters anyway i'm sure it's 100 the times square (laughs) hooters (laughs) so his mom dies while he's at an event in australia and Sherry Miller plays it like it's weird that he didn't want to immediately fly home and instead finish the tour. Would you say that she ended up six feet down under? <laughs> no, she oh, died in the United States. Down under? Yeah, she, oh, died. Well, no, she died in the U.S. And there, ah, your mom died, huh? Well, why don't, you just, uh, <laughs> why don't you just saddle up to some of our famous Australian whiskey? Right. Or a Bloomin' Onion. All right. Now, yeah, that's, that's Australian eating right there. Yeah, why don't you eat yourself a nice toasted wallaby? <laughs> So she she acts like that's weird that John Daly didn't want to immediately fly home. But I don't like I went to high school with a kid whose mom got murdered while we were at school. And he was like, yeah, I'm just going to hang out here the rest of the day. I'll go home eventually. But like, why? Why do I want to rush home to that? That's bad times. My mom would probably want me to finish the school day. So I'm just going to do that. Okay, that's fucking weird, too. It's weird. But man, people handle grief. People handle grief 
different. Like Brett Favre still played after his dad died and then texted a picture of his dick to a friend of ours and got her fired over it. Like we all deal with grief in different classic, ways, classic Brett. Yeah. That's one of the, just one of the stages of grief is you text a picture of your dick to a random employee at the place you work while you're wearing pink Crocs. He had pink Crocs on in that picture. What a fucking sleaze bag. Everything about him sucks. Yeah. So after they return from Australia, she says the entire Daly family just starts partying and drinking again. And she finds out John is drinking whiskey because he also is like helplessly addicted to Diet Coke and drinks. We've discussed his bones should be gel by now. Well, I mean, that's got to be the thing that gave him bladder cancer, right? I would think so. Like. It's either that or all that Dexatrim he was taking. <laughs> exactly. Still smuggling it in from Mexico all these years later. He's, he's getting some some real fucked up, weird like, Nambian <laughs> Dexatrim. He's like baseball. The real problem's been amphetamines this whole time, and no one realizes it. Could you imagine John Daly on amphetamines? He'd be <laughs> running through walls. I could not. He He'd would be wily coyoteing that shit. So. She found out he was drinking again because he would walk around with Diet Coke all day. And he drinks, I think, anywhere from like 15 to 24 Diet Cokes a day. Or at least he did at one point and for a long, long time. Jesus I can't fathom it. Oh, my God. Like, I just think about what that's doing to his bones. Yeah. it's And, like, drink some water, man. Like, what do you ever drink water if you're drinking that much Diet Coke no, a day? he's rich. Ugh. So... What she would do is sometimes if he was walking around with a Diet Coke, she liked Diet Coke in moderation. So she would take it and have a little swig and hand it back to him. And one time she did that. And before he could go, ah, she throws a swig down her gullet. And uh-oh, it was pure whiskey. It was not Diet Coke. It was just pure in a whiskey, cup baby. making it look like Diet Coke. And this is the point where she... Tarantino's that story about her fighting the strippers in Arkansas and adds some details. We already mentioned he threw a glass bottle at her pregnant stomach after that fight with the strippers on the golf course. He then tried to prevent her from leaving with the group on the tour bus. When she did manage to get on the bus, they get in a fight that ends with him smashing a fruitcake in her face, which sounds funny, but this is a woman who is super duper pregnant. And on top of that, fruitcakes are dense. That's like hitting somebody with an anvil. Yeah. It's the and box it's the boxing glove of cakes. Yeah, and it's yeah, that's that's a good way to think about it is that in that case it's essentially just a boxing glove. Like he punched her in the face but with a cake on his hand and it knocks her to the ground. After that, he gets up and returns to the party that's happening at the front of the bus for a little while and then decides he doesn't want her on the bus. Has the bus driver pull over drags her off the bus and leaves her at the side of Interstate 40 and drives away. Do you believe this part? I don't know. That is a wild story, if it's true. it. I don't know if it's the kind of thing that it would be enough for him to sue over, but it really makes him seem like a savagely abusive piece of shit. Like, that might be the worst behavior that yeah. I think we, we see here. So if that is true, then John Daly is the villain of literally every story. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. If yeah, that's if this one story is true, it, it colors would stand everything. to reason yeah. that everything else is probably pretty close to the truth too. And there are incidents in this book that I left out just for the sake of 
time. There is a lot more in this book and none of it paints John Daly in a good light. But yeah, I wondered too, with this story, like that's a fantastical claim and it, it doesn't come up when you read like timelines of John Daly's wacky behavior. Like it's not one of those documented incidents in his life. I would like to say that this must have been around Christmas. You're not having like a fruitcake loose in July. That's true. Like who's got a who's who has like an on call fruitcake? You ever had a fruitcake? I have not. They're better than people give it credit for. There's a place in Texas that's super famous for them, and I thought of buying one at one point. Like, it's dense, dude. It is. It's heavy. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's like a deep dish pizza of cake. I fuck with a deep dish pizza. We know that. Why, well, yeah. You know who else does? John Daly. John Daly is a deep dish pizza. (laughs) Oh, so also this incident where he leaves her at the side of the highway. Sherry Daly claims that he felt really bad about all of this afterwards, and he consoled himself by hooking up with almost X number four, who we learn in this book is named Shanae Chandler, the notorious Leslie from last episode, which brings us to an announcement. Listener. Billy Whitehouse, the only person who jumped in the comments to correctly name Shanae Chandler as Leslie from the last episode. Granted, once one person does it, like, why are you going to yeah. follow who up? I'm obviously going to give it to the first person who answers correctly. So you got a signed John Daly CD coming your way. Signed by John Daly? No. Not even close. But signed- I can fake it. I have an autographed John Daly that I can just... Yeah. We can, I can just we'll forge. sign our names in the style of John Daly. Realistically, our autographs aren't real either. So, But once me and Jeff can get in the same room and sign it, we'll send it out to you. I'll hit you up in the DMs to get your address. So We'll get you. We'll get you. Congratulations, <laughs> Willie Bitehouse. Congrats. You have a fantastic piece of music coming your way. So anyway. Oh, are we sending him something else? <laughs> So this revelation in the book sets up a pretty amazing sequence of events. By this point, Sherry had already been arrested and was dealing with the money laundering charges. She was upset that John was cheating with Shanae and wanted to call her, but was also worried the feds were tapping her phone, which was probably accurate. So she just asked to borrow a friend's phone, called Shanae and said the following. Just before I read this quote, imagine you're her friend and she's like, hey, can I borrow your phone? Can I borrow that phone real quick? I gotta, She's I gotta got take me- care of a little, a little errand. I gotta do a little chore. My, oh, my, my battery's dead. Can I just make a phone call with yours? Thanks. And now here's what she says when she makes that call. Let me tell you something, Shanae. If you do not leave my husband alone and quit calling my house, I'm gonna tie bricks on your feet, and you're gonna be swimming with the fish on the bottom of the river. Leave me the fuck alone. Follow up quote. Of course. Shanae had to go and call Judge Biggers in Oxford, Mississippi, who was handling my case and who already had it out for me. Did she have, like, Judge Biggers on speed dial? Like, <laughs> Probably if you got Sherry Daly calling your house all the time, threatening to put cement shoes on you and throw you in a river. And uh, the rest of the quote, well, Shanae ratted me out and said I'd threaten her. Of course, I denied it and said she was lying. Shanae said she had a recording of the call, but they never could prove it was me because it wasn't made from my cell phone. Now that's what friends are for. That's another that, story. I don't know if I 100% believe it. I mean, I believe kind of a lot of it. <laughs> <laughs> What's wh- Why lie about that? Yeah. I mean, it's Although a risky the, thing to lie about. It's also a risky thing to put 
in print. Did the statute of limitations end on that, or is she just a fucking idiot? I don't think by this point that it would have run Oh, out. Sherry. Oh, Sherry. And so we get a little insight into what kind of drinker Sherry Daly was in this chapter. She mentions that whenever John would do bad stuff, he'd buy her stuff and give her money. But also that helped because money rules and she enjoyed money like anyone else. Yeah, Marine, baby. Yeah. And here's a quote. So did being able to afford to buy bottles of Grey Goose and make jello shots at 10 in the morning. We'd sit outside, turn the music up and drink them all day. I, I was when I read that part, I was like, uh, I mean, I don't even though I don't drink. That sounds nice. It sounds nice, but it's also a very cumbersome way to get drunk. Like, there's a yeah. Prince song. You can tell Prince didn't drink, because he's got a song called Another Lonely Christmas, and he talks about drinking banana daiquiris till he's blind. It's like, you're not. That's not how a person who's looking to get I'm sad drunk does it. You don't drink banana daiquiris. I mean, daiquiris. that might be when you're Prince, and you just say, <laughs> yeah, like, suppose, yeah. like, when you have an on-call banana daiquiri maker... <laughs> And if you don't, you'll still get one. You're yeah, Prince. You are Prince. You can get anything you want except legitimate opioids. R.I.P. Mm. to a real one. Right. So chapter six of this book has one of the most amazing titles of any book that we have covered in this entire podcast series. It's called When Brett Michaels is the Voice of Reason, You Know You're in Trouble. And that, I, would ag- I would agree with that. That should be the name of the book. <laughs> Should be the name of Brett Michaels' new album. <laughs> this is the chapter where the incident involving John Daly and that Canadian stripper happens, where the pictures of him show up online. And in this case, John Daly eased things over in that situation by giving Sherry $10,000 to buy Christmas presents in New York City with her friends. And uh, speaking of... What a great way to just be like... It's it's very much in you remember an anchor man when everyone's mad at him he's like if I gave you some money out of my pocket would it make you less angry at me? It's like John Daly did that for real and it yeah. worked. <laughs> it worked a lot. And speaking of insight into how Sherry Miller drank, quote, when we got to New York, we started partying. I swear I spent the whole $10,000 on Cristal, which in all fairness is like 10 bottles of Cristal, but still that's that's a lot of drinking. I mean, it's more than 10 bottles. I know someone in the comments is going to be like, oh, but actually, Crystal is <laughs> Shut up. The chapter gets its name, though, from an incident that happened shortly after at the VH1 Fairway to Heaven Celebrity Golf Tournament. Ever been? I li- I've, um, I'm a founding member. <laughs> John and Sherry spent the day hanging out with brett michaels and tommy lee which recipe for disaster right there what a fun way to to know when vh1 became what mtv used to be (laughs) yeah here's a quote no one asked for (laughs) john had always been proud of having an especially large penis which i guess is why he was always taking it out and peeing on stuff the lbj of golf (laughs) and so he decided to challenge tommy to see who was bigger they both whipped it out right there on the bus I didn't see, but I did hear that John was bigger around. I'm sure he just loved that. Like a little tuna can? Yeah. (laughs) People want to pause and picture John Daly's dick for a little while. That's fine. A moment of silence for that thought. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, at one point, they're all hanging out on John Daly's bus, and he's super drunk, and he decides he's going to drive everyone somewhere. And he runs up to the driver's seat and starts trying to throw the bus in reverse and everyone's freaking out because he's hammered and cannot drive 
And there's people going up there trying to talk him out of this. And somehow the only person who is able to get through to John Daly is Poison frontman Brett Michaels. This tracks. Because (laughs) John Daly is to golf what Brett Michaels and Tommy Lee are to substance abuse. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. They're like, oh, no, we've got this. This is like the bat signal for them. Yeah. Yeah. Like John Daly's not injecting whiskey yet. Like my fruit did. Yeah, like this is not a problem. This is this is like this would be like this is them hitting in little league. This would be <laughs> like it's not a problem for them. So there are a couple chapters about him signing with Hooters. Several chapters about it. <laughs> <laughs> Sherry was not a fan. No. No, here's a quote. When he signed his deal with Hooters, it turned into a whole different thing. When we went from city to city on the bus every week, instead of doing our little routine where we'd get into town, find the grocery store, and set ourselves up while we were there, he'd go to Hooters and strand me at some campground on the bus with both kids and no car. And he didn't go and sign autographs for one hour anymore. He would start drinking, and they would bring him pitcher after pitcher of beer, and he wouldn't come home until after 1 o'clock in the morning And this was when he had a 7 or 8 a.m. tea time. The quote continues. (laughs) I'm not going on the road 300 days out of the year and leaving all my friends and family and denying my children a normal childhood with friends in school just so John could be out there on the road drinking, signing naked butts, and missing cuts. How is that not the name of his book? Signing butts and missing cuts. (laughs) Signing butts and missing cuts. The John Daly story, baby. Oh, man. Uh, she uh, All points viable. <laughs> Very much so. She makes some salient points in this. <laughs> oh, let's get somber for a minute. <laughs> Approximately 170 pages into this book, the alleged stabbing incident comes up. And, oh, man, it is darker than John Daly made it out to be, if you can no believe way. that. He's uh, like, I wasn't doing nothing. Just a reminder, this incident happened at the St. Jude Classic, so exactly six years after the two met. St. Jude, the patron saint of stabbing your husband. Right, exactly. She says things were mostly fine the entire first day of the event, which was Wednesday. On Thursday, things were also mostly fine. They went out to dinner, they went bowling, things were good. And then they get home, and the gate to their gated community isn't opening properly. And they have this run-in with security, and John gets angry and starts getting really rude with him, and eventually tears the gate down and throws it on the ground and drives through. Is he a bear? I imagine it's got to be like one of those plastic gates, right? I mean, yeah, it's got to be like a the the little thing they come down. But at the same time, they're like, but I we're working on it, man. Just a big fucking like a big wrought iron gate. Yeah, tore that shit off. Like the gate to an asylum in an old movie. Yeah, we're like, why is no one beating John Daly's ass? And it's like, he's tearing steel gates out of the ground. He's like Superman. (laughs) Here's a quote. This is kind of a long one. I was so embarrassed. I saw these guards every day, and they watched out for us and were always so sweet to our kids. Not that John knew this, because he was never at that house. So then for him to come to our home and cause friction with these people who were good to us, it really made me mad. I don't treat people that way. I've always treated the garbage man the same way I would treat the president. Like shit. I would let him talk me into stem cell research. Mm. I couldn't stand to think of John behaving like these guys were our servants or something. I was mad, 
and there was no way I was sitting around the house with him all night when he was in that state. And I agree with that. Like, you got to see those people every day if you're her. Don't, yeah, don't, don't be a fucking monster. Yeah, don't be an asshole. Like, that's just going to make it awkward forever. So she decides to leave. This is all according to her version of that night. She goes to a girlfriend's house to calm down, and she does calm down. And when she's returning home, she calls the house to see if anyone needs anything and finds out that John has decided to go off drinking at a nearby restaurant and bar with his friends, leaving the kids home alone, which is fine in this case because one of them was 15 and... 15 year old Austin was a tender 15. Yeah. Now, one of his daughters from a previous marriage was there. So Sherry decides to divert course and head to this restaurant to see what's going on. And she gets there. And of course, John Daly's cavorting with some woman on his lap. So she breaks that up. She chastises his friends about encouraging his drinking, which I think this must be the argument at a restaurant that comes up on the last episode when they talked about this incident and this is where it gets dark. So she, she goes home after that. And then here's a quote where it gets pretty ugly. Yeah. He woke me up a few hours later when he came home. And to this day, I still don't know what got into him, but he was really raising hell. The first thing was that he wanted to have sex with me and I didn't want to not after he'd been drinking like that. And we'd been fighting. I'll have sex with you if I want. You're my wife. He was masturbating and making all these gross noises and talking about getting with one of his ex-girlfriends. And then he grabbed me and started cramming his hands all over me. And it was basically like he was almost raping me. I tried to push him off, but he was so big and heavy. Luckily, he was so drunk that I was able to push him away. Yikes. That's bad. From there, he threatens to start breaking shit. Okay, that, that tracks. Yeah, that's John Daly's M.O., And she says, if you do, I will call the police. And he responds by breaking shit. So she calls the police. And when she does, he asks her to hand him the phone, which she does for some reason. And he gets on the phone with the police and says, my wife's crazy. She's a convicted felon. She's been hitting me. And here's a quote from Sherry. I just thought to myself, oh, dear God, he's going to have me put in jail. It's Friday and he's going to have me in jail all weekend. I've got to get out of here. So... That explains the part where she was gone by the time police arrived and she was gone with the kids. She left John Daly's 15-year-old daughter there because she assumed she could handle herself. But she took... Here, Here, I'll leave you with this angry, drunk bear. Yeah, but she took Austin and John and got out of there. So, yeah, the way the story was painted was Sherry Daly stabbed John Daly. He called the police, and then she fled with the kids before the police could get there. Her version of the story is John Daly tried to rape me, and I called the police, and he told the police I tried to stab him, and so I fled with the kids. And she says the reason she fled was her... Friends and lawyers both were like, get out of there and don't go back there. Like, make them come find you if they want to arrest you. Because otherwise, if you go back, they're going to arrest you both, if nothing else. But probably not, because he didn't get arrested. No, why would he? He's John Daly. Yeah. And so... He has Hooters immunity, Adam. (laughs) He's the ambassador of Hooters. That's diplomatic immunity. And this is that moment where he shows up at a tournament the next day with all these scratches on his face. And her contention is he did that to himself. It's either that or she doesn't realize that when she was trying to push him off, she got him across the face. Right. Yeah, it could be that too. But either way, that's not what a knife does. 
it looks like he got hit with a rake. She stabbed him with a rake. Yeah, which if the part about him trying to rape her is true, those are defensive wounds, you know? John, uh-uh. And here's the thing. That is something I feel like he would probably sue over if it wasn't true. Because that is, that is a very big allegation. Like, and especially now. Like, if that came back now, no one would care because it's John Daly. But yeah, yeah. when you look at the scratches, there's like a hundred scratches. Yeah. In a very small space. Yeah, it's all on his left cheek. There's a great picture of him like ripping a cigarette while he's doing that. What's crazy is this incident still isn't what led to their divorce. I mean, it definitely got the ball rolling, but they tried to hold it together for a little while after this. They went to marriage counseling first, and (laughs) she says they were literally told, quote, I can't help you. I think you should get a divorce. Man. Which that sounds like a marriage counselor doing their goddamn job. Yeah, absolutely not. Not all dreams are meant to work out. Sorry. Sees John Daly walk in is like, nope, nope, no, 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 no. We're closed. <laughs> and she says that made them both a little angry. And you know how people are like, oh, you can't tell us. We can talk shit about each other, but you can't talk shit about us. But she also says they flipped each other off when they drove away in their respective cars, meaning her and John Daly. So <laughs> and and the the. the The counselor's just flipping him off as he drives. (laughs) Fuck you. She kind of implies that they stayed together for the sake of his endorsement deals. She says that's why he never came clean about what happened that night, because he would lose endorsement deals. And that's the reason this book exists, is because John Daly never told the truth about this incident. Told the truth. (laughs) Yeah, because he wanted to protect his endorsements. And she wanted to protect them also because it, for both of them was their only source of income for the foreseeable future. Got to get that endorsement money. But she was also like, but someday you're going to tell the truth, right? And he was like, yeah, of course. Obviously I will in my book. <laughs> and he never did. No. So yeah, here's, here's a quote. But he never did. And that's still the one thing that really gets me mad. And it's the whole reason that I wanted to write a book in the first place. Finally, one way or another, I intend for the truth to come out. I might have done a lot of things I'm not proud of in my life, but I did not stab John Daly. And you know what? Same. Every word of it. I can't. I cannot back that up on my end. You're proud of everything you've done, but you have stabbed John Daly. Correct. Yeah. (laughs) I'm actually super proud of stabbing John Daly. (laughs) If I did, I would be. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Especially if you got away with it. That'd be cool. And... Against all odds, this book isn't even close to being done with insane tales. In the name of leaving some meat on the bones again for people who want to read the book and also not making this episode three hours long, we won't dive into too much detail about either of them. I will tell you one involves them going to a casino, having a good time, and winning $55,000. And then John, out of nowhere, snaps because he feels like Sherry cares too much about money and chucks that $55,000 out the window. But he does take the bands off first, so it fucking flies. That's awesome. And she eventually goes back and finds most of the money. But when he asked about it, she told him she found $500. Correct. (laughs) Which that's absolutely what you do. Finders keepers, John. Yeah. There's also an incident that apparently broke them up for good, which was John calling her at one point when they weren't getting along and sweet-talking her into coming home for New Year's so they could work things out. And when she gets there with their kids, he is 
in bed asleep with another woman. And they are both stark naked. Sherry is very angry, obviously. She takes a picture of them in bed together, steals the woman's phone, and then texts a close-up picture of the woman's cooch to all of her contacts. I don't hate it. Yeah, this is a quote. I took her cell phone and I went through every phone number she had in it, whether it was her boss, her preacher, or her parents. And I sent them the picture of her coochie with a note that went something like this. This is the vagina of the woman I just found in bed with my husband. Me and my children did, actually. I thought you might want to know that she felt this was important to give to my husband. It sounds like she's a very nice girl. Swish. That is That is a nothing but net form of revenge. And there's one more interesting tidbit in this story. And Sherry Daly doesn't use the words exactly, but glean whatever you want from this next part. The woman he was in bed with was black. And that sets up a very interesting quote. Here goes. The thing about John was he would make remarks when I was with my black friends. I looked right at the stranger and said, I'm a little shocked that he's in bed with you. End quote. Now, surely she's not implying that Arkansas born and bred Trump and Kid Rock loving John Daly might be a little racist. No, no, no way. It's just that he respects the culture so much. (laughs) Probably. That's what it is. That's what it is. Yeah, that's that's an interesting uh, tidbit of information from her there, because it does seem like that's what she's saying without John, really saying John Daly seems like he freewheels the N-word. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, he does seem that way. And so that's our episode. The next week on the season finale, we're going to dive into what John Daly and Sherry Daly have been up to since their respective books came out hers ends with him meeting what she describes as some floozy from hooters marketing department who ends up being the woman he's currently engaged to still all these years later isn't it great that you can work your way up the hooters ladder right like that um it, it is funny to add by the way that if you're wondering what they've been up to since it's edging death <laughs> yes narrowly avoiding their final destination-esque fate <laughs> they've been edging death this whole time <laughs> And signing Hooters deals. Hell yeah. That'd be so funny if she signed with Hooters. (laughs) She just works there now. I mean. So until then, this this was fun. Do we have anything? It was fun. That's one way to put it. No, it was fun. You were right. (laughs) Do we have anything to plug before we get out of here? How about you, Jeff? Well, I don't know if you know this. I have cool friends and I have a show called Jeff Has Cool Friends. You can listen to it for free or you can get early uncensored episodes with bonus content at patreon.com slash Jeff May. All one word, seven letters uh, with other stuff on there. Just to be clear, that's Jeff is an asshole, it's called? No, 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 no. It's called Jeff Has Cool Friends. J-I-A-A? No, J-E-F-F. Jeff. Oh, J-H-C-F. Yeah, okay. We got there. Also, Jeff doesn't like sports. No, that's not true. Uh, you can also check out Tom and Jeff Watch Batman on the Gamefully Unemployed Network, and uh, as well as, you know, Unpops and, and this and that. I do a bunch of guests on a bunch of shows. You get it. You get it. And uh, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Adam Todd Brown. Follow the network at Unpops on Twitter, unpops.podcast on Instagram. We got a TikTok going at Unpops Network. Uh, Hell I yeah, know, Kesha. I, I don't know what's on there. Right now, I sent stuff off to someone else, and they're handling it. So check that out. And uh, I think that's it for now. Let's get the fuck out of here. Jeff, say goodbye. You get the That Lady's Cooch rookie card, everybody. (laughs) Goodbye, everybody. We love you. (laughs) 